I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, June 29th, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed in the dollar... It's It's a late rally on Wall Street... Too big to fail... Growing the economy... Growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Monitor. Good morning. What up, fam? There it is. That's it. Yeah, it's uh, Troy Harmon here with uh, Money Talks, Atlanta's longest running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm here today with Casey Smith and Peter Lynch. And I always make the joke, no, not that Peter Lynch, this Peter Lynch. Yeah. It's, it's this one. This is our Peter Lynch. Exactly. That's right. He is the one and only Hensler Peter Lynch. Yes, right. Yeah, there you go. All right. Now that we've got that cleared, there's probably folks out there wondering, who else is Peter Lynch? Right. Well, there was a guy a long time ago. Where did he work? Fidelity. Fidelity. Fidelity Magellan. Yeah, he was the big fund manager, beat the market, what, 11 years in a row, something like that? Yep. And uh, that one is, up on Wall Street. It's a good yeah, book. I actually it, went back and reread that not too long ago. It was worth worth a read. Yeah, if you no haven't doubt. checked I've, it out, I've read the book as well. And uh, it's very rare that you have a guy that uh, that can beat the market, let alone have a guy that actually runs a portfolio of um, of uh, stocks yeah. anymore by themselves. Right. You quite often see the team approach these days, um, but. Anyway, we've got uh, lots to talk about today, including how our economy, how our market has actually been reacting to some of the strange things that we see in the economy these days. Um, If you look year-to-date, the S&P 500 is up 17.9%, led by information technology, second to uh, uh, information technology, by the way, up 27% year-to-date. I feel like we've seen this movie before. Oh, uh, yeah. When was it? Like 1999? Well, 2000? 2001? 2018? We did. Last I mean, year was pretty first, amazing. First half of the year, market straight up, led by technology. Yeah. And then we saw what happened in the fourth quarter. Yeah. September 20th of 2018 was a good high spot. We've uh, we've overcome that. Um, yeah. So we've got all-time highs again, but uh, you're right, KC. A uh, little bit of... Uh, Negative news, and we lost almost 20% from September 20th last year down to December 24th. So, right. Um, Interesting thing, too, if you look at the you know year-over-year numbers, utilities are leading the way. That's 18. true. 18.44%. Yeah, our market overall is up uh, 10.62% in that period uh, over the past 12 months. And you're right, Casey, 18.44% in a utility. How in the world does that happen? Amazing. It's called... Interest rates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we have uh, when you have interest rates uh, declining, usually you have <clears throat> prices that are going up on those bond-like proxies, um, equities that pay a significant dividend. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, utilities are known for that. 
Um, consumer staples also are known for that, but in this case... Consumer staples are third on the list there, yeah. 16.56%. Right, yeah. Real um, estate, which is another one of those yeah. interest rate sensitive uh, sectors, 1767 If you look longer, uh, the only negative over the last 12 months, energy down 13.75%. Materials are up slightly 3%. So... Um, Pretty interesting to look at. We look at that quite a bit. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of news on interest rates since I did bring it up. We still have that strangely shaped yield curve where the one, two, three, and six-month um, treasury yields are all higher than our 10-year. Um, the short end is uh, slightly higher. It's 2.07 to 2.1%, basically, 10-year uh, Government Treasury uh, yielding 2.007. How about that? 007. Man, that is... Can't get much yield out of a Treasury these days, right? No. It's amazing how interesting that curve looks. I mean, and we yeah. always talk about the 2 the two and the 10 right. uh, being kind of the the trigger for uh, the, the indicator that would precede a recession or has in right. pretty much every recession we've had. Since yeah. the 50s, right? Yeah, yeah a um, long time. Um, so we haven't seen that happen just yet, but the fact that we've got those shorter maturities yeah. yielding more than the 10-year, that can't be a good sign. Yeah, a lot of folks focus on the three-month versus the 10-year as well, and yeah. uh, that's been inverted for quite a few months now. Um, basically, since December uh, 2018, if you recall what happened uh, mid-December, we saw the Fed uh, raise interest rates kind of the last hike. Uh, at the time, we were seeing probabilities of another rate hike, uh, maybe in September or December of 2019. A whole lot has changed since then. Yeah. Uh, now we're talking about rate cuts. Um, first started to see that for January of 2020, uh, but now we're seeing maybe next month Yeah. Uh, rate cuts. High probabilities, over 90%. Yeah, that's pretty high. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's usually a real solid indicator too. They uh, the market doesn't get it that wrong that often. Right. So, um, so it's based on just futures, futures implied. Futures on the treasury. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's how the uh, futures on treasuries are trading. So <clears throat> expecting uh, significant changes in the in the Fed's policy. I, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before, back in December, the president started saying that the Fed didn't need to raise rates. They did it anyway. It was kind of a, some thought at the time, it was a kind of a thumb in the eye of the president. I didn't think so at first, but I'm beginning to wonder, because now he's... It turns out he was right. I mean, well, that's true. It sent the market in a in a tumble, and then right. with, with the... Just the the mention or the thought that we might have a cut in during this year and maybe even more than one has has kept the market propped up. Right. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's other reasons for it, but interest rates are a big right uh, big part of the the reason we've seen such a big run up. The one thing we have to pay uh, particular attention to, though, is uh, the stock market is not the economy. Right. It is a uh, it's an indicator. Uh, those of us who invest and are impacted by uh, the movements of the stock market, and generally we focus on the S&P 500, a mm -hmm. good indicator of uh, what's going on in the overall financial markets. Uh, we all love it when the market goes up because, why, we go in and look at our accounts, and they all look like uh, we're getting 
wealthier, right? Early retirement. <clears throat> there right. you go. It's a uh, it's great indicator that we may be able to do that. But, you know, if you look at some of the other things in the economy, um, it, it doesn't always translate that well that uh, the market's up and the economy's doing great. Um, but I will tell you that uh, you look at employment, we have seen a little bit of a tick, not much uh, higher in uh, in some of the unemployment claims, yeah. uh, not really measurable at the moment. Uh, if you look at inflation, it's really low, so it does give cover to the uh, to the Fed to cut interest rates if they wanted to. We're down around 1.5 by the measure that they use, the PCE deflator. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at CPI, it's about 1.8%. Um, if you go further, uh, consumer sentiment is relatively strong, um, although we have seen some some cracks in that. And really, uh, if you look a little more granular, the consumer believes that what's going on right now is pretty good, uh, but they don't expect it to continue. So how much do like home sales factor in to what you guys look at in terms of the health of the economy? I know I've, the reason I asked, I was speaking with a client earlier this morning about uh, she actually lives in Colorado, but um, trying to sell her home and having a difficult time doing it, not getting a lot of traffic. Um, it's priced lower than many of the comparables in the neighborhood that she's in. And, um, you know, I, to me, I hear that and think, uh-oh, is that problematic? It's a painted bright pink. To... <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's where we start. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the color it is, but... Yeah. Um, it's uh, there. There must be some reason for it, and you wonder if if consumers or at least the people buying existing homes, if it's starting to slow down, and why that might be the case. Yeah, we are seeing some numbers that show that uh, there is some slowing in in the housing market. Um, if you look though, total sales on existing homes actually increased two and a half percent for the month. Still down 1.1% over the last 12 months. Uh, new home sales are similarly 3.7% below year-ago levels. Uh, home price index is slowing. So prices are coming out of the market and, and uh, sales are slowing. Um, Even with favorable interest rates. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's something that uh, is definitely affecting the housing prices and, and and the demand for housing for sure the interest rates i mean remaining low and the fact that they might go lower you you wonder also if people may be waiting for a rate cut that's what i was uh, thinking yeah. to 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 take effect before they would look at purchasing a new, a new or existing home yeah we uh we do get an indication of what's going on with the mortgage applications uh top line ticked up this week uh, it is a, a weekly consideration. The price index uh, dipped by 0.9%. So some of the things that we would expect um, with rates falling uh, do come true. You, we've even seen some refinancing lately, and I really thought after the years and years that we had at 3.75, yeah. it would be amazing to see uh, refinancing tick back up. But you know, you, you read the numbers and there it is. Yeah, it's a pretty it's big number. Still a good uh, a good time to refinance. Yeah. It has been for Take the last advantage. 10 years probably. Yeah, and there's reasons that people might not have refinanced over the last few years. I mean, sure. if your credit uh, situation might have improved, um, maybe you had problems in 2008 or nine. you had a jingle mail issue, 
uh, you know, it takes a little while to rebuild. And, you know, what we're seeing in the market now is uh, increases in, in those kind of the health, I guess, of the general consumer. Right. Well, guys, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about a dog of the week and uh, a situation that we see in the market and uh, answer a few financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. dog of the week when we have in the past week crowned a new champion the ugliest dog competition out in california all right went through this year and the winner is scamp the tramp <laughs> these, Very good. Uh, these dogs are chosen i guess by their owners quite often for their strange looks, uh, you've probably, if you've ever been on the internet, which yeah, most people at this point have, uh, you've seen a picture of an ugly dog. Usually they have a tongue that won't fit quite squarely in their mouth anymore, so it hangs out, their hair's a, a skew. A lot of times they don't even no have different. any hair. Well, there are some... The hairless dogs, those are the ugliest ones to me. I have yeah, won a couple of years in a row, from what I remember. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, they no are offense ugly. to... Anybody who might own a hairless dog, but I don't know. That's, so, an, that's an ugly that's hound. An ugly, that's an ugly hound. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny to me that uh, we will celebrate this. Uh, I mean, how in the world does this get to pass, right? And we talk about how ugly somebody's dog is? Yeah, um, but, well, you know, we talk about business owners all the time and how uh, doing business valuations, <laughs> nobody, right. nobody wants to think they're – you don't want to call somebody's baby ugly, right? That's right. I guess and, for a dog, their maybe. business is not average, no matter what you do. No, you no. can use average numbers and uh, ratios against it, and all the other things. Yeah. But they nobody has poured an their heart. You're right. They've poured their heart and soul into this. But when it comes to dogs, you know, we can talk about how ugly they are all day. That's I mean, Peter so. doesn't even get mad, and there is a reason. Do you know why? Because just like so many of uh, of the previous champions. And many of the contestants, there were 18 dogs this year, and uh, many of them are rescue dogs. Of course. So what they're doing is they're trying to raise awareness for the ugly dog, <laughs> still having plenty of love to give to somebody. Well, did yeah. it say what kind of dog it was? <laughs> Most of them are kind of mutts. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, this dog looks somewhat like a, uh, a Yorkshire Terrier, I think. Uh, or a little Scotty dog, something like that. But its hair's all wiry, and its tongue won't fit in its mouth, and it looks kind of, I mean, even its eyes are like they don't focus on anything in particular. It's uh, it's kind of an ugly dog, i got to say. Okay. It's it's funny to me, and I'm probably telling on myself more than I should, but I'm going to do it anyway. The uh, One thing that I've done for my kids is we'll be driving down the road sometimes, and uh, somebody will have their window open and a dog's head pops out. <laughs> And I'll always say, man, that guy's got some ugly kids. <laughs> and uh, my kids have gotten to where they pick up on it, and we'll be driving down the road now. I'm not paying attention, and I'll hear my daughter in the back seat say, man, that guy's got some ugly kids. <laughs> like, yes, 
I have a little influence over my you children. You do. Maybe, maybe if we that can might use... be the extent of it. But hey, <laughs> exactly. Well, you always wonder, but uh, maybe I have some positive influence over them too. But uh, every time this comes around, it always reminds me of that. somebody's. It's somebody's kid. You know, the ugly dog. Yeah. Well, you can't call somebody's baby ugly, but you can call their true. dog ugly all you want. And you can even make a joke that their kids are ugly when it's actually the dog sticking his head out That's the right. window. So anyway, 1500 bucks wealthier is scramp, uh, Scamp the Tramp, and her owner now calls him, I mean, his owner now calls him Scamp the Champ. There you go. So this is a, this is like a win-win. It. 1500 bucks plus Congratulations 1500 to, to give away. And uh, and a big trophy that's about as big as old Scamp is. Uh, so, there you go. Anyway, good good for Scamp. Yeah, no doubt. There Everybody's go. got to be good at something, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, our our producer has pulled up the picture. It doesn't yeah. help you on the radio, but I'm telling you, if you want to see an ugly yeah, dog, so, just yeah. check go, out go old Scamp. Plug that into Google. And it is ugly. It is that is one ugly dog. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well. Um, you guys hear us talk about it all the time. Uh, we talk about the 10-year rule. We talk about financial planning. But we haven't often fleshed out exactly what all goes into this. I mean, we can answer specific questions here, there, and everywhere. But uh, we've got a situation we'd like to talk about this week um, with a couple. You know, often these are uh, uh, people that we've either had a situation and we've changed their name to, uh, I always say, protect the, the guilty. Um, but it's uh, Mario and Vanessa. They're mid-40s. Uh, they got AGI, which is uh, their income, adjusted gross income, around $200,000 a year. Children ages 13 and 9. And um, usually what happens is one or the other partner will take the control of the finances or interest in the finances. In this case, Mario takes care of the family finances, uh, household budgeting, budgeting and saving for retirement investing. He's heard us talk about the 10-year rule and our investment criteria for years, but really doesn't know how to make it work for his family. Um, they're saving for retirement. They're saving for the kids' college. Uh, they're investing excess money, but they don't have a plan. They're really just saving blindly. And now, you know, Casey and, and Peter, when somebody's young, that's usually what we recommend they do. Save your money. Yeah. Save as much money as you can. Do yeah. you need a financial plan? Yeah, your financial plan is save as much money as you can. Right. But when you do get older and you start running into these situations where uh, the question comes up, am I saving enough? Yeah. Well, I, the The big answer to that is pretty complicated to answer, right? It can be. Uh, you know, and... The thing, I guess, that kind of dictates when you might need to start thinking about having a plan is when you know you're going to have some expense in the future that your cash flow won't cover. You may not know that your cash flow won't cover that, but you, you, uh, you know, in their case, they've got kids that are 13 and nine. Hopefully, it says they're they're saving for college, um, but that's an expense that's probably going to impact their. Uh, their finances in the not too distant future within right. within ten years for the oldest one um and probably for the youngest one as well so and I always say too it's never too early to start planning or too late if you get started later but uh it it's always a good time yeah you always. you definitely can't plan too early so i mean right. what what is the ten year rule really I mean we always talk about it on the show and it it we always kind of break it down into a a couple of sentences and just say that it's 
planning for money that you need within the next 10 years from your investment portfolio, that money should be put in fixed income investments. Any money that you don't need in the next 10 years should be put into equity investments. And the reason being that equities tend to grow by a significant amount over inflation while we can get you fixed income securities, theoretically, uh, as long as interest rates hold out, that uh, actually beat inflation and and, uh, protect your purchasing power. Yeah. But... How do we figure that out? How much exactly. do you know what to save? So, well, so I mean, the plan is what it's all predicated on. Right. And so what, what goes into the plan, it's really there, – there's a couple of different ways you can do planning. Um, we tend to do more of linear cash flow planning for the purposes of figuring out what your 10-year rule looks like. What, how much of that money do you need within the next 10 years? And then we can derive an allocation off of that plan. So, KC, a person's spending is relatively stable, right? Yeah. So you can look backwards and see what they've spent over the last few years. In theory, yeah. I mean, how it's, it's growing and any plans that they might have or perceived uh, concepts of growth in their income and their spending. Yeah. I mean, their income goes into it. And a lot of people say, well, why do you care about what my income is today? It really just matters what I, what's my income in retirement. Well, if you're planning for college, you're probably not going to retire before your kids go to college or you know, most people don't. So we really need to look at what is your income today? What do you expect your income to be, you know, projected out over the next, you know, several years? Um, how do we expect it to change? What kind of savings do you have? Are those savings going into 401k, tax deferred money? Is it going into, pre, uh, you know, like a Roth, you know, tax exempt or is it going just into after-tax savings and right. checking your savings account or into a regular brokerage account? And that's important because when the money starts being spent or you start doing the calculations, you also have yeah. to calculate Where tax. are you pulling it from? And, and that's important. So that you yeah. kind of prioritize your buckets, you know, between after-tax, pre-tax, tax-exempt. Where, where is it going to be the most beneficial place to pull the money that you need in the given year? And um, not only the timing of that or the tax um, – the the timing is important. You don't want to yeah. have to be selling stocks in a down market. Right. Hence the ten year rule. Right. right. And the ten year rule really we we talk about the ten year rule, but that is a rolling ten year period. So we're looking every year, you know, you you live a year, you spend a year out of your ten year money, and then you have to go look. Do I need money in that eleventh year? You know, the next year, and if so, then you need to look at selling equities to cover to fill that ten year bucket back up. Now, if the market's down or your assets that you would otherwise sell to fill that bucket up or have depreciated in value, maybe you don't want to do it. So the 10-year rule buys you 10 years to allow that asset to recover its value before you have to go sell it to, to get money to live off of. Um, to replenish that 10-year bucket. Exactly. And it's really just matching your asset, which is the fixed income piece, that to your liability in whatever that year is. So you're really trying to figure out over time what are those liabilities going to look like and can I position an asset, you know, in a perfect or a a more normal interest rate environment, we would ladder bonds for 10 years so that you have a bond maturing in the year you need the money. We don't necessarily do that in this environment because as we talked about earlier, the yield curve is a little wonky right now. Right. Um, Yeah. But, you know, that's the, the theory and it's really no different than what bankers do in terms of matching the assets and liabilities. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, add a little more to this topic and uh, answer some financial questions. 
Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. long time, Doctor. I consider you one of my most valuable long-term investments. And when it comes to my investments, I always do my homework. How about that? What was that? Crazy train. Right? That's right. Why always, not? Always reminds me of Chipper Jones. <laughs> yeah, that was his walk-up, right? <laughs> I guess we all envision what our walk-up might be. I won't let you share that right now. Oh, maybe. come on. Maybe one day. Future show, we need yeah, to do that. What's your walk-up yeah. song? No doubt. Uh, you're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Casey Smith and Peter Lynch. And uh, if you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have multiple ways you can contact us. Number one, our question hotline. You call in. Uh, leave your message and um, leave the question that you have. We play it back on the air and answer right behind it. The number there is 1-855-429-9166. If you'd like to have uh, contact with a person, if you'd like to make a phone call, 770-429-9166. Ask uh, the receptionist about your, you know, you have a question for the radio show, they'll get you in touch with Kelly Lynn who is our producer, and um, we will, uh, she will get your information to us to be answered. Uh, you can also email us, drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, you can uh, type your message, send it to us, ask your question. We'll get back to you on that one as well on the air. Uh, if you want to answer your own questions, you can go to our website, which, again, is Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. We have lots of content uploaded on the website. Um, if it's a broad enough question, you can probably answer, uh, get the answer that you desire by doing that. But, uh, again, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, guys, when we last spoke, we were talking about uh, what goes into a financial plan, I guess, to kind of Wrap it into a big package with a bow on it. Um, you have to figure out somebody's income, mm-hmm. their expenses, what they've been spending, their habits, which generally tend to die hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you project that into the future. If you have any known spending needs coming up, whether it be college, a new house, maybe somebody's downsizing so they get more assets into their plan, It's uh, you know it can vary widely, right? Yep. Uh, we, we make that those assumptions. And then from there, we try to put together a portfolio that matches their specific needs uh, with most of it, if we can, going into equities. And the reason being, we want to grow your wealth. It's the, it's the, key, to the uh, key to our existence, really, is to try to help you become wealthier. Yep. Um, and and uh, any money that is identified as being needed within the next 10 years, this is our 10-year rule, uh, wherein uh, if your income or a pension or something else doesn't cover those spending needs, then what we do is use your assets. We'll put them into a very safe fixed income uh, vehicle that matures with uh, the amount and timing that you need 
And that is our 10-year rule. So, exactly. And it rolls, as Casey said, you know, years to come. Um, we we make sure that all that's covered time and again. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to renew your financial plan on an annual basis, right? No, no. I mean, you, they're usually good for a couple of years unless there's been some changes that have happened. Um, Something but, significant. Yeah, I mean, anything that that would kind of reset what our allocation needs to look like or, or um, you know, major life events are going to impact your plan, obviously, and you'd want to get it looked at at that time. But even if nothing changes, we probably want to update it every couple of years just to make sure that you're still on track, uh, you know, update the values that we've got in there and make sure that, you know, we've, we've now moved a few years into the future, so we are have to extend that liquidity coverage for the 10-year rule, um, make sure that, that that's being done and, that you can account for the next couple of years of spending. Um, you know, the, the other thing that's really nice about having a plan in place that we, we don't talk about probably enough is just it, it gives you an idea of whether you're saving enough or whether your your assets are going to last through your life expectancy. Right. Uh, the way that we do that in our plan is to, to run sort of a, an estimate of what we consider your maximum spending to be. So in other words, if you were to spend at this level, then you would deplete your investment portfolio by the end of the year you turn 92. We can adjust that year if necessary. Um, that's kind of the default we use. So we obviously know if you're spending at that level that you're spending too much. We typically like to see a buffer of 15 to 20% below that maximum number because that gives us enough to uh, take into consideration deviations from the assumptions that we've made. I mean, these are projections. They're not... Uh, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't yeah. know what might happen in the future. I wish we were more clairvoyant, but yes. uh, the reality is things change, and we don't always uh, expect the changes that are coming. Now, Casey, you mentioned uh, there are a lot of changes, um, you know, and, and quite often it's on a personal level. You know, mm -hmm. somebody loses a job, somebody gets a better job, things of that nature. Inheritance. And it, exactly, yeah. New assets coming into uh, their control. Children getting married, children going to college. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, children. Different colleges. <laughs> yeah, having more children. I mean, there's loads and yeah. loads of things that can that can impact. The one thing that I will would like to talk about, uh, Casey, you mentioned it earlier in the show, um, and and again, not being clairvoyant, we can uh, we can look for triggers and look for changes, but uh, the economy changes. Yeah. So yeah. what a financial plan is also meant to do is to try to keep you on a similar path, uh, no matter, especially with the 10-year rule, no matter what the conditions are behind the scenes on the economy, uh, we still have uh, pretty pretty good confidence over a 10-year span that uh, we're going to see growth. Yep. In the uh, in the S and P 500, in the market, the financial markets, um, on the equity side. So still, you know, we'll we'll have clients say, "Well, you, I hear you talking about things getting rough. Is it time for me to sell all my stocks and go to go to cash?" I, the no. answer is always going to be no. I'm never going to tell you to sell everything and go to cash. Uh, one of the reasons being, I mean, obviously, cash. Uh, doesn't track inflation, and uh, that's that's really one of the major benchmarks that we look for, um, making sure that your purchasing power is protected to make sure that your uh, assets that aren't in equities are, are actually performing well enough to keep up with inflation. Yeah, and that's why we do the fixed income the way we do. We, you know, our, our goal with that really is to just keep pace with inflation. Right. And if we're doing that and we're protecting that money, 
Uh, you're not going to get a great return out of it, but if you're keeping up with inflation, you're maintaining your purchasing power, and that's the goal. Yeah, and, uh, and when you say you're not going to get a great return, actually everything's relative. You're not going to get a great return relative to the equities. Correct. If mm-hmm. you look at history, uh, you know, the stock market goes up about 10.5% per year, dating back to 1925. Doesn't mean it's going to do it this year. I mean, we're already up 17.5%. Yeah. But nothing says that we'll finish 2019 up that much either. Right. Uh, and it could double. I mean, it, you know, the sky's the limit in some cases. Well, We've you seen see, 30 you see that happen. Percent. I mean, 2017, you have a, a big up market, right. you know, 20% or so. And then last year, we have a bit of a pullback. You know, it it, gen, it tends to average out at the 10.5%, but right. you don't get the 10.5% every year. It's exactly. usually going to be up and down. Right. Um, and And we don't really know the timing of any of that. And that's the reason that we tell people, Stay invested. Yeah. And that's Stick a big with your point. plan. Yeah, a lot of people are irrational when it comes to money and the markets. Right. You know, when we saw the big drop, like you said, almost 20% in December. Sure. People get scared and they think, is this it? Do I need to get out? Yeah. And if you did. Because it's always different, right? And this time really is different. Is. <laughs> right. Well. Yeah. And if you did get out, now you've missed out potentially on a 17%. Yeah, and in, in our in, in every recession we've seen since the business has been over open, rather, uh, we've seen people... Uh, who do want to step aside, even against our our uh, advice, mm-hmm. and quite often it, the the problem is they don't get back in until they've missed a significant portion of the recovery. And you don't have to miss you know very many days in the market to lose out on a big chunk of your return. You know, there's yeah. been studies that show that if you miss out on you know the ten best days over a ten year period, uh, ten year period, and you miss out on the ten best days. <laughs> You could lose, you know, two thirds of your return. Right, uh, and that is important, and that's why we say don't get out of the market because gener- generally those big up days are going to come after big down days. Right, and missing those it can really hurt your your overall return. And that's our job as a planner or advisor to help you not make those irrational right. decisions. Exactly, and having a plan and knowing that your the plan provides for ten years worth of liquidity, spending, yeah. spending, what you need out of your portfolio, then that should help you sleep, you know, at, night. sleep at night and, and make those decisions because you say, okay, it helps us to, to talk to clients and say, look, it doesn't matter that the market just fell you know, 5%. I mean, it matters and you see it on paper, but right. that's not money that you need to spend uh, in the next 10 years. So you're fine. Yeah, and, and you know, like I say, it's a very emotional times usually when you start seeing declines in the market. Uh, it is when the phone rings here more mm-hmm. often than not, yep. um, and uh, you have to do a little hand-holding. That's another one of the, the benefits of having a financial planner. They can talk you through uh, what they see behind the scenes, uh, you know, the fundamentals of the market, if you will, and uh, try to help you make sense out of what to do next, mm-hmm. if yeah. anything. Quite often, uh, doing nothing is an active portfolio decision, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and markets so. do decline, but like you said, over the long term, the growth has been there. Yeah, and part of that, and people don't understand it, is inflation. Uh, right. It's the reason that uh, our Federal Reserve likes to manage to a 2% inflation. They don't want it to get too hot, but they do want to have inflation going forward. Uh, it tends to work through prices into the earnings of the companies that you own. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're talking about an earnings multiple on uh, on a price, the price-to-earnings ratio uh that's, you know, it's basically it multiplies that inflation by what, 10 times, 20 yeah. times at the moment, 19 mm-hmm. thereabouts. Right. All right. Well, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about some uh, financial questions. 
listening to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Peter Lynch talking about finances. It's my favorite topic. I can talk all week if you're willing to stay awake long enough. That's right. Hopefully nobody gets so bored they run off the road. I mean, that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? That would be. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, finished up our topic uh, last segment uh, talking about financial planning uh, let me give you a way that you can contact either Peter or KC. It's uh, 770-429-9166, or you can email at drgene at hensler.com. That is spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And uh, that's also the way that you can get in touch with us. If you have a financial question you'd like to have, have uh, answered on the show, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also have a question hotline wherein you can just call in, leave your message, including your question. Uh, we will play that on the air and answer right behind it. That question hotline is 1-855-429-9166. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. So, um, guys, we got some questions that we want to run over. Uh, first on the docket is uh, Sean and Melody. From Hiram, uh, man, it should have Jared on this show. That's out in his neck of the woods. That's right. Uh, they say, is it too late to get in some growth technology stocks? I think you said tech is up 20-something percent year-to-date. Uh, we're looking at Auto Home Inc. and Splunk Inc. Splunk. Splunk. Yeah, uh, that uh, unfortunately sounds like something I heard in the men's room the other day. Um but uh, <laughs> I didn't think he would do it, folks. <clears throat> Casey <laughs> dared. Don't don't dare me. No. Oh, uh, it, I, I mean, I honestly, what what else does it remind no, you? No, no, I'm with you. Yeah. That's, all right. So auto home is like the Chinese version of uh, some of the things that we've seen come out in the in the U.S. markets, like a true car, or uh, you know, some of these others where you can go online, you can. Um, it's again in the Chinese market. I, I looked it up before uh, when I was doing uh, some of my research on this. It's all uh, spelling in Chinese. I don't have a clue what I was looking at, but uh, they tell me that it's information to the, uh, some of the manufacturers' websites. Um, you know, it's basically shared information on automobiles, and you can go in there and make a purchase. Now, the thing that's great about the company is its revenue has increased over the past three years on average over 100%, 114% to be exact. Problem is, when I go digging with my institutional grade tools, I can't find much information on this stock. That go being figure. the case. It's headquartered in Beijing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's a whole other issue. When it's headquartered in Beijing, I'll, I take pretty much everything that I read and, and uh, see with a grain of salt. But in this case, I'm not seeing enough information to make a decision on. So uh, to be honest with you, when it's like that and all I can really see is revenue growth, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't think that it's, uh, that it's a reasonable investment. So that leaves us with Splunk. What is Splunk? Anybody? Is it like a cave uh, when you go walking through caves? 
<laughs> is that splunking? <laughs> I love it. It's spelunking, but oh, uh, well. yeah, splunk. Maybe that's uh, that's what they've got. This is uh, this is actually data that's available for a lot of IT folks when you're when you're out trying to gather data on uh, market um, situations. So the the data de- it, uh, is quite divergent, um, but it seems like there are quite a few. Uh, competitors in the market. Uh, if you look at their five-year earnings growth, it's negative 3109. Um, their ROE is negative 107. Their ROE uh, got that backwards. 10.7 negative on the ROA return on assets. Negative uh, 27% return on equity. Uh, at the very best, what this stock is is a speculation. Now. I will tell you that their revenue growth has been pretty significant in uh, in recent years, 36.5% approximately, uh, at least in the U.S. Their operating margin, again, is negative. Every profit margin that you look at here is a negative. They're not making money yet, and that's always the the technology startup I was about to say, can't you just say, I mean, argument. Uber and... Yeah. I mean, even Amazon, mm-hmm. right. until a few years ago, uh, yeah. never made a profit. Right. The difference between this company and those is uh, they do use a lot of uh, AWS, the Amazon uh, web services, web ser- right? Web services data mm-hmm. uh, that they're that they're providing to people in a in a quick, easy way. Uh, so so they're partnered to some degree with AWS, but in reality, they have many competitors that can provide data to the IT world in a similar way. Um, the fact that they have grown revenue uh, so so quickly is, is a good thing, but in the last couple of years I've been seeing, uh, when I go back to look at their um, financial reporting, it looks like the cash flow from operations is getting weaker instead of stronger. Mm-hmm. You would expect just the opposite of that. Um, you know, they've purchased a few companies here and there, uh, it's it's basically a classic startup, but this one, in fact, if you ask me, is going to have to rely on one of those bigger companies swallowing it up, buying it out, uh, and to me, that's just not a good investment thesis. So, uh, as much as I would like to give you good news, I'm going to tell you my advice to Sean and Melody is, yeah, there probably is something in IT that you can find uh, that will give you a little bit of a boost. It almost all looks very expensive to me right now, and it almost feels like the second wave of a tech bubble mm-hmm. uh, when you start seeing these these uh, newly IPO'd companies coming out. No earnings, getting loaded up with multiples. You look at the price to sales on this uh, particular company, nine and a half. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, price that's, to sales yeah. usually is around one to yeah. 1.2. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, it. my advice is, don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Not going splunking then. No, <laughs> I am not <laughs> advising that you go splunking and uh, avoid auto home as well. All right. So we've got another one here. Josh from Forest Park uh, says, should I still contribute to my uh, to the match uh, to my 401k? All right. So contributing in the 401k up to the amount that the company matches uh, should I continue doing that if I'm in the process of trying to get out of debt and I'm in uh, my mid-40s and have a pretty decent balance in my 401k? I wouldn't be taking any money out, but I'd take 8 to 12 months off from contributing to pay down some consumer debt. 
What yeah. you guys think? I mean, this is always a tough question. It uh, is, and it comes up not only with credit card debt, but now student loan debt. Should yeah. I pay off my student loan? Should I save for retirement? And a lot of times the correct answer is both. Yeah. You want to do both, especially if your company has a match. Right. That's yeah, I mean, if you think about the match, I, in general kind of rule of thumb for things like this is in very basic terms, if you can earn more on an investment than you can, than you're paying an interest on a loan, then keep the loan as long as you, your cash flow supports the ability to make the payments on it and save for into that investment account. You'll be better off. And this is, we're talking about, you know, consumer debt, interest rates are pretty, pretty, pretty steep. So yeah. you're looking at, you know, 19 to 27%. That's going to be tough to compete with. However, if you get a match in your 401k, that's a hundred percent return on that right. money. Yeah. So maybe you contribute up to the match. If you were doing above that, maybe you could scale that back and use the money to, to pay off some of the debt and just pay it down over time. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, when you've got consumer debt, um, those interest rates need to be taken care of. Um, find a way to pay it off earlier if you've got another source of income or can create another source of income. Um, and there's a psychological advantage there, too. Once that consumer debt is gone, now maybe you can increase your retirement plan contribution. Yeah, yeah. that'd be a good plan. I mean, the other the other side of the coin is, you know, okay, well, what is really the, the value if you quit saving your 401k for – a short period of time, you know, a year, two years, um, how is that really going to hurt you if you are, in fact, using that money to plow it back in and pay off your debt? Right. You can make the argument that's going to give you some flexibility to do some other things. And to Peter's point, from a behavioral standpoint, it's probably just going to make you feel better <laughs> and not right. feel like you're just so overwhelmed with the debt. So uh, I agree with Peter. I think the best thing to do is do both if you can. Um, trying to find, I mean, take advantage of that free money with the match, but mm-hmm. um, try to find ways to cover that debt other ways because you do want to pay that down at those rates. Yep, yeah. no doubt. All right, guys, uh, if you need help making that calculation, you can find us at 770-429-9166. You give us a call, you can ask for uh, Casey Smith or Peter Lynch. And uh, last question of this show, guys, mark it up or down this week. Say up. I gotta say up. All right, I'm I'm always up. So uh, we say the market's going up next week. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.